0: Well, go ahead and open your Bibles up to the book of Ephesians, chapter 1. We are in the book of Ephesians. The series is called Glory in the Church. And the sermon today is called The Body of Christ. The whole sermon today uses this idea of a body. And it compares uh, a body to the church, to our relationship to each other, and to our relationship to the Lord Jesus. So I saw, sometimes I see... Um, things on like the magazine rack that catch my attention. And there was this National Geographic magazine that's called Your Body, A Hundred Things You Never Knew. So I grabbed it because it looked pretty interesting. And so this whole uh, special issue of National Geographic is filled with fascinating facts about the body. Let me share some of them with you. Did you know that the human skull is made up of 22 separate bones? 22. I didn't know that. Did you know that in order to walk, it takes 24 different muscles? Four thigh muscles, three hamstring muscles, three muscles in the glutes, and two calf muscles in each leg. Did you know that throughout your lifetime, you will shed about 40 pounds of skin cells? That's a lot. Did you know that your nose can detect 10,000 different odors? Did you know that in a lifetime, your body can consume 100,000 pounds of food? And did you know that your heart pumps 100,000 times a day, 35 million times a year, 3 billion times in your entire life? Those are pretty amazing stats about the body. And the body is amazing, and that's why it makes an amazing illustration for the church. We're going to learn today about how the church is like a body. And we're going to learn about relationships in particular. How we're related to one another and how that's like a body and how we're related to the Lord Jesus Christ through that illustration. Well, let me pray and then we'll get into God's Word together. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day when we get to learn from your Word. Even though we are not gathered together physically, we know that you are among us And we know that you will speak to us through your word. So open our hearts to see this wonderful truth about your church today. And we pray that so that we can experience glory in the church. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in Ephesians chapter 1, uh, we haven't even gotten out of chapter 1 yet. We're still in chapter 1, but today we finish chapter 1. So let me back up a little bit and I'll start reading in verse 18 where it says, "...having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints." So the Apostle Paul is writing to show us what we need to know, what we need to see. And he goes on to say, "...what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places." far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. So we paused there last week and we learned about how Jesus is uh, just the supreme ruler of everything and that God raised him from the dead. Now it says in verse 22, "...and he, God, put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church." which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. There's two points to the sermon this morning, and I'd love for you to be taking notes, have your Bible open, and have something to take notes with. But the first thing you can write down is this. We believe in Christ as the head. We believe in Christ as the head. It says here that God gave him as head over all things and that includes humanity. So God is giving Christ as head over all things. That, that thought struck me this week, God giving humanity a head. Uh, like, like humanity needs a head transplant, and God gave Christ as, as a head. You know, we, we do funny things sometimes, right? We'll take like one person's body and we'll put another person's head on it and sometimes that creates really funny photos and so there's this trend going around now where people are taking Mr. Bean's head and putting it on other bodies so I found a few of them here but check it out here's Mr. Bean's head on Jack Sparrow's body and oh how the movie would be different here's the next one Uh, this is Mr. Bean as Iron Man and here's the next one this is Mr. Bean in Avatar and maybe my personal favorite, somebody put Mr. Bean on the Mona Lisa. Uh, so it, when you take a head and put it on a different body, you know, usually that's kind of a comical thing. Uh, so that was kind of my first reaction, like God giving humanity a new head. Um, and, it, and then it hit me like it, it's a commentary on human nature that humanity needs a, like a head transplant. Um, that, that's pretty serious, I checked the website of the American Medical Association, and according to that website, headlessness is, in fact, a fatal condition. If you went to the doctor and the doctor told you, well, there's a problem, you've got a condition called headlessness, that, that would be fatal. So the idea that humanity needs a head or a new head, uh, my first reaction was that's just kind of a funny thought, that uh, I, think, I think illustrates the human condition you, of course, know the legend of Sleepy Hollow and the Headless Horseman. Here's a picture of that. Like a, a human without a head is kind of a scary thought. So anyway, I was playing with that image and I was, uh, I'm stretching the image here because that was kind of my first thought. But the idea that God had to give humanity a, a head, to, to establish a new head overall of humanity and overall creation, I think is a very striking thought and it's a very sobering thought. Because it does illustrate that there was not a correct authority figure in charge. And something went wrong. And in fact, in, this, in these two verses where it says in verse 22, he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things. We hear allusions to, to, all the way back to the very beginning in the Garden of Eden Uh, And we hear like allusions back to what humanity was created for. And we're supposed to kind of put those things together. So in Genesis 1, 27 to 28, I'm going to read what God designed us for originally. It says this. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And he said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So this idea of man in the beginning included God handing to man authority and responsibility uh, to, to rule, to rule over the animal kingdom, to rule over nature. And we were supposed to be like God's image bearers down with the way that we stewarded creation, so God bestowed a tremendous honor and responsibility on mankind, and we blew it. It didn't take long. The first two humans blew it. So a big problem happened, and all creation suffers for our failure, and that's called the fall. That's called the fall. So that created this need. That created this need for a, for a new head, for someone to pick up that fallen mantle and to restore the image Of humanity. So you can jot this down. We believe that Christ restores humanity to God. What is it that makes Jesus so special? What is it that makes Jesus so necessary? Well, only Jesus can restore humanity to God. And it says in the Bible that God put all things under his feet, that's a picture of supreme authority, and gave him as head over all things. So Jesus was given back this mantle that humanity originally had. We believe that he restores humanity to God. It's important that we understand the truth about Jesus if we're going to get how this works. So we have to understand that Jesus was 100% human. He was a real boy, uh, like Pinocchio became. There was nothing different about his humanity from, from your humanity. The only difference was he was born without sin because he was born of a virgin. But here's a picture of The nativity scene we'll go back to christmas here just for a minute but jesus was born god with us he became human he became 100 percent human and so because he was human jesus was qualified as a man to restore the image of humanity and to bring us back to that original dignified purpose so jesus restores humanity to god We are fallen, we are failed, and he came to restore us. Therefore, we see Jesus as the new Adam, the one who would restore us back to the place that Adam and Eve originally enjoyed, but they fell away from. You know the story of the Garden of Eden, right? We've got a picture of Adam and Eve in shame, uh, leaving the Garden of Eden, and uh, the tree of, of life is being guarded now by an angel with a flaming sword, and they're so ashamed because what happened? They were lied to. They, they were told that God was holding back. And if they would just, you know, take and eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, then they would be like God. And boy, that backfired and they, they fell. And so they were taken out of the garden of paradise. And there was a curse upon them, upon us, and upon the whole universe. The Bible says that the, the whole universe groans in agony because of that curse. So that was the fall and, and mankind, we, we failed, So, this verse in chapter 1, verse 22, looks back to that original intent in the Garden of Eden. It also looks back to uh, Psalm 8, verse 6, which is a Psalm of David, where he comments on the role of humanity. And he says this You have given him, that's man, dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. So, So, that's the same verse here. You've put all things under his feet. So David knew that that was the, the purpose for humanity, but because it, we fell away from that, there needed to be someone who could restore us to that ideal. And so here's where it says that God put all things under the feet of Jesus Christ. And as a man, that means that humanity was put back through Jesus into that place of prominence. So we believe that he restores humanity uh, to God. You can write this down too. We believe that he rules all creation. We believe he rules all creation. We believe in Christ as the head. And it says here in verse 22 that he gave him as head over all things. And we know from the verse just before this, it says, he's far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. So the scope of the rule of Jesus Christ is not just on earth. It rises above everything in all creation and even everything in in heaven. So that means that Jesus was much more than just a man who took on the role of ruling over creation. He was much more than that. And it says uh, in the Bible that the fullness of deity was inside Jesus Christ. So we know that Jesus wasn't just 100% man. We know that Jesus was also 100% God. And so not only could Jesus represent humanity and restore humanity to God, Jesus could represent God and he could bring God's glory and power and authority and presence and love back to dwell with humanity. Just as in the early days, God walked in the, in the garden uh, with Adam and Eve and then that presence went away because of sin, now Jesus was coming back with the full glory of, of God. So we believe that Jesus rules all creation, And he brings the full authority of heaven back to humanity and to creation. Sometimes people think Christians are elitist. Sometimes people accuse us of thinking that we're better than everyone else. But we've got to be careful. There's nothing different about Christians compared to anybody else in the world. Um, The followers of Jesus Christ are just as prone to sin and temptation and weakness and sickness and death than the followers of any other faith. What makes us special is not the followers. What makes us special is the founder. The founder of our faith is one of a kind because he's 100% man and 100% God. Therefore, all things are under his feet, and he comes with the full authority of heaven to rule on earth. That's what makes us special. It's our founder, he's one of a kind. He restores humanity to God, and he rules all creation. Jesus reestablished God's holy presence in our race. This is God with us. He restores our destiny because he will rule forever and ever. And he says that we will rule with him. So we believe that he rules all creation. It's the founder that makes the church special, it's in fact the founder that makes the church spectacular. When it comes to the church, Jesus is the head. We believe in Christ as the head, the one who restores humanity to God, the one who rules over all creation. It says in Hebrews 1.3, He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. This is is one heavenly ruler. This is is one person who's out of this world. And he's 100% man and 100% God. So Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth. And what's amazing is he's sharing it with us. The Bible says that we will rule with him, that he'll share this authority with us in the future. So what that means is Jesus now, though he rules all of creation and though his name is above every name, He he hasn't enacted that rule yet. He hasn't come down and literally taken control, literally, figurative, or uh, physically, of every nation, tribe, and tongue. So the seat of his throne now is in the human heart and in the church, which is comprised of people who are ruled by the love of Christ. Because of that, we know that the church is a preview of eternity. The church shows the world what it's like for a group of people to be ruled by the rightful king of the whole universe. They're supposed to see in the church a preview of what eternity will be like. Now, you've been to the movies, I'm sure. When you go to the movies, the first thing you see is not the movie. The first thing you see is this. It's a screen that tells you the following preview has been approved for all audiences by the Motion Picture Association of America. You see the previews, right? And the preview gives you glimpses of the full picture, but the full movie hasn't come yet. And so in the church, humanity is supposed to see a preview, coming to an eternity near you, and we're supposed to see what it means when the rule of Christ is happening here. Now yes, the church is fragile, the church is also tempted, and so often the church falls short of that ideal. But even at its worst, even in its broken state, the church shows humanity The ideal that's coming. Christ, the head. And so it says that God put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. To the church. That means that if you desire to come under the authority of God, if you want to know that you're in a right legal relationship with God, if you want to know that you are a citizen of the king who will rule forever, you have to become a part of the church, that is where the head is right now, the head of the body, the church. Jot this down. We believe that he alone gives new life. He restores humanity to God, he rules all creation, and he alone gives new life. So, the idea of the relationship of a head to the body is the head gives life to the body and direction to the body. Uh, and so, the idea is that Christ, as the head of the church, gives life to the church and direction. And humanity needs this leader. Humanity needs this life-giving ruler to deliver us from death. Because let's face it, without a head, the body is dead. And without Christ, humanity is lost and it's hopeless. Humanity is in trouble. Humanity is in trouble in many ways. Right now, the way that we're in trouble that everyone's talking about is the coronavirus. Everyone's talking about the problem that's threatening to kill many, many humans. And so the leaders of the world and the leaders in our country are are calling for a solution, and they're working together uh, to try and save us from this problem. So I heard a few things, or I heard one press conference this week that was interesting. President Trump mentioned that he was on a, a conference call with all the governors from the country, and they were having a conversation about what the states were going to do and what the federal government was going to do. And President Trump said, Well, you go ahead and do it, and then I'll be the backup. And one of the governors said, President Trump, we don't want you to be the backup, we want you to be Tom Brady. And so that made President Trump mention that in a press conference. Here's a picture of President Trump asked, answering a question about uh, what the governors said about him being Tom Brady. You know, Mr. President, are you just acting like a backup when you're supposed to be the starting quarterback in this big crisis? And What that illustrates is everyone is expecting these leaders to lead and everybody is looking to them to kind of deliver us from this big problem. The world needs Tom Brady, the governor said. We need Tom Brady. I remember a quote from when uh, a Batman movie came out back in, I think it was 2017, and Ben Affleck was the Batman. We've got a picture, I think, here of Ben Affleck as Batman. And he wrote a very insightful article In USA Today, and his article was about this. Why are superhero movies doing so well? Why are people, when they're not really going to see other movies and Hollywood is struggling, why are they going to see the superhero movies? So Ben Affleck, Batman, wrote this. There's a lot of stuff going on in the world, from natural to man-made disasters, and it's really scary. He said, part of the appeal of this genre is wish fulfillment. Wouldn't it be nice if there was somebody who could save us from all this, save us from ourselves, save us from the consequences of our actions, and save us from people who are evil? And my answer is, Merry Christmas, Ben. Merry Christmas. Yes, it would be nice if there was a Savior who would come down, but we don't need a movie. We don't need a green screen. We don't need an actor. We don't need Tom Brady. Uh, We need someone who has authority over all. We need the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we need. And the world is longing for this leader. Hey, where are you at with God? Do you believe Jesus Christ is the name above every name? Do you believe he is the head? That he is humanity's new hope, last hope, best hope, only hope to fulfill God's purpose? Don't you want to be part of the thing God created you to be part of? And do you see that it's only Jesus who can reconnect you to this new Adam, to this new line, to this new body of people who are in a right relationship with God. Have you surrendered your life to the Lord Jesus Christ and said, I'm not gonna rule my life anymore. He's the head, he's in charge. Let's face it, we make terrible CEOs of our own lives. We have no business being the chairman of the board of our own heart. And this also means that we have to forsake every other name. We have to realize that every other path is a dead end. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Number one, we believe in Christ as the head. Number two, you can jot this down. We belong to Christ as his body. We belong to Christ as his body. It's only a two-point sermon. It's only a two-verse sermon. It says, he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. Then it says, which is his body, the fullness of him, who fills all in all. Now, after all these verses that make me think, wow, Jesus is so amazing. He's got all this power. He's got all this authorities. And then it says, we're his body. And I'm like, whoa, that's a mismatch. What is he doing with us? Frankly, why would he want to connect himself inseparably from us, from us? I remember watching a movie Christmas Vacation where Cousin Eddie showed up and talked to Clark and Cousin Eddie said "You surprised Clark and Clark said, surprise, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be more surprised tomorrow if I woke up with my face sewn to the carpet. Like inseparable. And I think to myself, this is like inseparable. This is like, you can't operate to undo this if Christ is the head and we're the body. We're together forever and ever. Why would he do that? We belong to Christ as his body. But isn't this what you want? Isn't this what you want? Don't you want an unbreakable bond with God? I mean, isn't that what we were born for? Isn't that what we long for? To know that we're so right with God that there's nothing he would ever do to drive us away. That's what I want. We belong to Christ as his body. And it says in the church, it's the church. So what does it mean to be a part of the church? Be careful here. It doesn't mean you go to a building. Obviously, we can't even do that now. It doesn't mean that you've joined a group, right, that you've stood on stage and become a part of. That's not what it means. The church is a relationship of people who, according to point one, believe something about Jesus. So if you believe something about Jesus, then you are a part of the church. If you've publicly testified of your faith in Jesus Christ, you've been baptized and said you've been born again. That's what it means to become a part of the church. Now you might go with other people who are part of the church to buildings, Those buildings could have budgets and business elements, but that's not the church. The bricks are not the church. The people are the church. So we belong to Christ as his body, and that's because we are the church. The word for church means called out. So the idea there is that you have been called out, there's something about you that's different from the world. The Bible says that we are expected to repent of our sins. That means that you're going one way and you make a a turn, a decisive life-altering turn away where you leave your your love relationship with sin for good and you've broken up and now you are following Christ. Has that happened to you? If that happens, then you have been called out. That also means that even though you're in the world, you're not of the world, you're not exactly like them, talking like them, thinking like them, watching what they watch, saying what, there's something different about you. You're called out. It says here, he gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So that idea of being the the fullness of him, the church is the fullness of Christ, the body of Christ in the world. Once again, we find God giving humanity tremendous responsibility and tremendous opportunity To manifest God's presence and power and love and grace in the world. This is like a a do-over. It's like Eden 2.0. When you get connected to Christ, we're back on track here. And we're not supposed to fill the earth now and subdue it physically. We're supposed to fill the earth with the love and truth of Christ. And we're supposed to go to all nations, tribes, and tongues with life, with truth, We belong to him as his body, and we, the church, are the fullness of him. We are his hands and his feet and his voice and his heart. We manifest the presence of God on earth. This is our job as a church. This is our job. This is why we're here. This is what we're supposed to do, to be the fullness of him. Hey, listen, when people see a heavenly-minded community governed by Christ, committed to truth, growing in love, that staggers them. They can't find that anywhere on earth. And that's the point. I like what one author said about the church. He said this, there is nothing like the local church when it's working right. Its beauty is indescribable. Its power is breathtaking. Its potential, unlimited. It comforts the grieving and heals the broken in context of community, It builds bridges to seekers and offers truth to the confused. It provides resources for those in need and opens its arms to the forgotten, the downtrodden, the disillusioned. It breaks the chains of addictions, frees the oppressed, and offers belonging to the marginalized of this world. Whatever the capacity for human suffering, the church has a greater capacity for healing and wholeness. Still to this day, the potential of the local church is almost more than I can grasp. No other organization on earth is like the church. Nothing even comes close. I love that. I love that. The church is supernatural. It's the fullness of Him, of God on earth. It says this, The fullness of Him who fills all in all. So the church is the fullness of Christ on earth, and we're the fullness of the one who who fills. He's the one who does the filling, and he fills all. He puts it all in all. Maybe you remember from 1991, the smash hit, You Are My All in All. You are my all in all. Comes right out of this verse. Comes right out of this verse. Good luck getting that song out of your head once you start singing it, because it's so memorable. He fills all in all. Now, This does have a few different dimensions to it. It does mean, yes, Jesus, you are my all in all. That's absolutely true. Only Jesus can fill your heart up to overflowing with all the fullness of God. But it also means in the church that Jesus is the one who fills the church with the glory of God. Only he can do that. And it means that only as he fills the church with the glory of God can the world be filled with all in all. That's the chain reaction. Believers get filled with the glory of Christ. Churches get filled with the glory of Christ. And the world is full of the glory of Christ. We belong to Christ as his body. So jot this down. We are in this this illustration, in this image of the head and the body, we are united to God. We have an unbreakable bond with God. Because Jesus is the fullness of God, the only eternal Son of God, being united to Him is being united to God. Only Jesus can bring us to God, and only Jesus can establish a relationship that will never be broken. We're united to God. Because each one of us is united to God in Christ, that means that our relationship to God is no different than any other Christian's. And this is so important. We're all equal in Christ. Uh, We're all, when it comes to our value, we're all important in Christ. We're all special and we're all responsible because we have been given the all in all and we are designed to fill the earth with the presence of Christ. For some of us, we were raised being taught that we kind of have to go to church to connect to God and that there are people there priests, clergy, people who kind of have more of an in, they're kind of closer to God. And so we got to go through them. uh, And maybe even there are other people in heaven who've died and maybe they can help us connect to God. And all of that is not biblical teaching. The Bible does not teach that there are these special groups of people who have more grace or these people who have more access. That's not it at all. The Bible teaches that we are united to the head. And therefore you can have a direct relationship with God the Father through faith in Jesus Christ. You go to church to celebrate what God has already done. You don't go to church one more time to do five more steps to maybe get, you know, a little more peace and then I'll be back again. That's not it. That's not it at all. We are united to God in Christ. We're equal. We're special. We're responsible because of him, because of him. I love the thought of God assembling this new humanity. Of all the things that you can assemble, my family got into puzzles, We're all locked down, right? We're all under shelter in place. We got into puzzles, putting all these pieces together. When I got home, my wife was working on a puzzle. My kids were working on a puzzle. And I'm like, what has happened here? You have all turned into a bunch of old ladies who are just sitting there doing their puzzle. And then suddenly, I became an old lady. I'm sitting down there doing my puzzle. And I'm like, we got to finish it. we got to finish it. we got to finish it. I got hooked. So we finished one. And it's so fun to assemble something and to finish it. I think one of the biggest uh, things that are really probably impossible to assemble, would be like a plane. I saw this picture once and I kept it on file. This is, a, this is a plane being put together. Several planes being put together. And they've got boxes of pieces to put a plane together. I wouldn't want to be anywhere on that floor. Heaven forbid I'm the one who puts one pie, I can't even do Legos right. What's it like to put a plane together? What's it like to put a puzzle together? Hey, what's it like to put a new humanity together? From every nation, tribe, and tongue, to take a person here and a person there, given their background, and to put them all together in this one thing called the body of Christ. It's an amazing thought, and it's happening right now. And if you believe in Jesus Christ, you're part of it. You're part of it. We're united to God. It really is breathtaking what God is building. Jot this down, we're united to each other. We are intended to experience and express the power of God and the presence of God. And that can only happen together in community. We cannot flourish in isolation for long. And there are times when Christians are looking for a church family, a church community, but look, we can't make it long alone. We just can't It'd be like a lung trying to make it outside of the body or a kidney trying to make it just sitting on the table. It's not going to make it for long because we're a body. We're connected to each other. We've been trying to care for one another while we're under this shelter in place order. So, we heard a lot of stories this week of people who are low tech trying to figure out Zoom calls and Skype calls and Facebook. And there was one woman who called in and she's like, I've never downloaded an app on my phone once. And so, we helped her to get all set up and she actually made it to that small group call. And I talked to somebody this morning and she said, Oh, it was amazing. We had so much fun. We were all on the call, everyone was talking. So, we're still connected. And that's what we do. We care for each other because God is building a community of people who care for each other. And isn't that what you want? Don't you want to know that there are people who are checking in on you? Don't you want to know that you're checking in on other people? That's what humanity was built for. We're united to each other. I've got a picture here of a bunch of pastors who we partner with in our Great Commission Collective, and these are all international pastors. And we, we had a a summit earlier this year. We've got pastors from Europe, Uh, There was a pastor from Australia, the pastor from Scotland, and uh, Pastor Timothy here is from Nepal. He just emailed me this week and he said, hey brother, I just want you to know it's very hard in Nepal right now for Christians. The government is using this whole coronavirus situation to crack down on churches and they're kind of blaming churches for spreading some of it. And man, on top of the virus situation, they've got government persecution. And so, you know, we're we're a body, we're in this together. And so these, these brothers are praying for each other. Because we're, we're a church, we're united, we're one. So we're united to God, we're united to each other. And then jot this down, we're united, why? To reach the lost. We belong to Christ as his body. We believe Christ is the head, we believe that. And we belong to Christ as his body. And so we're united to God, the head to the body. We're united to each other. You're a body part, I'm a body part. We can't get, you know, separated. And the reason why we're all coming together is to reach the world, is to reach the lost, is to go and be the hands and the feet and the message and the voice of Christ to people who don't have any life, they don't have any hope, they don't have any connection to God. We're supposed to go and get them. We're supposed to transform them with the gospel. The church is so spectacular. We should praise God for forming this amazing community and welcoming us into it, for becoming the body of Christ We're not only supposed to be a community that cares for each other, we're supposed to be a community that goes out and cares for the lost. And who is it in your life that that you're concerned about? Who is it in your life that you think could hear this message? Maybe you want to share it with them, right? Maybe you want to say, hey, check this out. Who is it that needs to know about Jesus Christ? Hey, listen, God's plan to fill the earth with His glory is the church of Jesus Christ. That's you. That's me. He wants us to be His witnesses. That happens when we fill up with his love, when we fill up with his power, together, not alone. And then when we go out, we're we're like the salt of the earth. We're like the city on a hill. We're like stars in the universe shining, the Bible says, as we hold out the word of life. That's the church at its best. That's what it means for God's glory to be in the church. So let me close by asking you a few questions. Do you believe Jesus Christ is the head? And have you allowed your fears like a bullet train to race out of control this week. Hey, 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 we don't have, we don't have Batman. We don't have Tom Brady. We've got better. We've got better. We've got far better. We've got infinitely better. And maybe you just need to kneel before Christ today and say, I'm sorry for my anxiety. I'm sorry for my worry. I'm sorry for my fear. You're the head of everything. You've got this situation totally under control. Maybe you've never surrendered your life to Christ. Maybe you've never told him, I'm done being my own boss. I'm done ruling my own life. What a mess I've made. What an absolute train wreck I've made of my life. I'm done. And maybe you need to give Christ the throne today. Second question, do you belong to Christ as his body? And are you living out that reality? Are you checking in on people? Are you you being the love of Christ? Are you checking on other people who, who just need to know that that you care. That's how we manifest God's presence to one another. That's how, when you say something encouraging or when you share a word, that's how, how God speaks to people and he'll use you to do it. Are you listening? Are you inviting other people into your life? Are, are, are you welcoming others to care for you, to know you, to correct you, to, to encourage you? That's how God's going to work in your life. How can we know God is real? Well, we have to know that Christ is the head And then we have to belong to Christ as his body. And maybe your whole life you felt like you don't know where God's been. Maybe your whole life you've really wished you had more friends or even family who've cared for you. And maybe this is God's way of saying, look, it's all in my son. It's all in my son. And maybe today is the day that you say, Jesus, I want you to be my head, my king. Jesus, I want to be a part of this body, a part of this church, this new humanity, this family that you're assembling. Count me in. And maybe maybe today is the day that you say that. Wherever you're at with God, I want to give you a chance right now to just talk to him and to just take everything that's been swirling in your mind and your heart all week long and to just bring it to God. So let's close our eyes and let's bow our hearts and let's pray together right now. Heavenly Father, this has been a season in human history that has been unparalleled in in that it's a global time of fear and panic and frustration and worry and uncertainty. And there are some today who, for the first time, are ready to say, Jesus, be my Lord. Jesus, be my Savior. Jesus, be my all in all. Maybe there are some today who are ready to say, count me in on the new humanity. Make me part of this new kingdom. I'm done being the ruler of my own life. Maybe there are some today who are ready to say right now, maybe they're even ready to say it out loud, Father, forgive me for all my sins. Say it if you're ready. Say, Jesus, be my Lord. Say, Jesus, promise me heaven. Say, Jesus, use my life. Restore me to God. Maybe there are some who just, they know all week long, they've been unable to catch their breath, unable to get a focus, unable, Lord, to stay on top of things, and they're worried and they're afraid, and they they haven't prayed, they haven't told you about their fears, and maybe right now they're just ready to do it. They're ready to say, Jesus, I believe you're above all. All of it, not some of it, all of it, and I trust you. Maybe right now some are ready to say, I know you love me, I know you'll always love me, and I know that nothing can break our relationship apart. So whatever comes this week, whatever comes the following week, I know that you've got me. I will walk by faith, not by sight. Father, as we strive to manifest your presence on the earth, as we strive to be filled with the glory of Christ, fill us with the peace that transcends understanding. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.